0: This is a wonderful time. I want to talk to you about the faith of Sukkot. Would you pray with me? Baruch atah I, Lahinu, melech asher k'shenu, b'mitzvah ta'v, La Torah. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. One of the names for a Sukkot is... Zaman simchatenu, the season of our joy. And I'll help you so that you can say that too. Zaman Zaman. Simchatenu. simchatenu. Now practice telling someone next to you that. Zaman simchatenu. Zaman simchatenu. Season of our joy. It's a time of rejoicing, in fact, many of the instructions around Sukkot have to do with rejoicing, so it's good to think about joy so that we understand what it is and we can get it right. Um, Joy, for for our purposes, is the condition of well-being that includes gladness, a sense of moral correctness and goodness, and positive feelings and thoughts. It's important to grasp those different dimensions. Some people think joy means being giddy. You know, ha, 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 it's great. And there can be an element to that, but it is not primarily that. It is primarily a sense of well-being that is accompanied by positive emotions. It's accompanied by hope and gladness and good anticipation, but it's also connected to a sense of moral rightness, of correctness and goodness. Because people do things that make them happy that are morally repugnant and morally wrong. Are you aware of that? Everybody has some history here, right? And if you can't remember yours, ask your mom or dad. They will help you. To remember. But joy, the joy that we read about in the scriptures is associated with doing good, living well, and feeling it. Now, everyone has a conscience. You could look at the person next to you and see if you can locate it. It's not visible. It's, it's not in their head. It's not in their heart. It's in their inner person. The conscience that each of us has been created with is attuned to right and wrong. We have the capacity, we have the human capacity to sense moral correctness and what is good and what is not good. We have that ability, this is why everyone who has been born can relate to God and can connect to God, because we have an innate quality that is part of being human, to be made in the image of God, means that we can recognize what is good and what is not good. Now, we also have the capacity to go our own way. God has created us in such a way that we have moral freedom and we can do what we want. In fact, sometimes we do what we want and then we regret it. Do you ever have that sense, oh, I wish I hadn't done that? For some people, it's about food. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. (laughs) For others, it's it's about substance abuse. I can't believe I drank that much. I did this much. For others, it's about sex. For others, it's about any kind of pleasure. And there are times when, when people engage in something that produces short-term pleasure, but it is also accompanied by short-term sorrow and regret. But the pleasure can surpass the sorrow for a moment. Have you ever eaten that piece of chocolate cake? While your head is saying, don't do it. And your hand is saying, get behind me. In fact, you don't need logic, you don't need rationality in order to indulge in the things that your appetites tell you to do. Tell the person sitting next to you what your favorite dessert is. Your absolutely favorite dessert. And now, for yourself, think about this. When did I first have that? When did I discover it? When did I have it most recently, and it was so good. Now, if you ask this question, do I need a reason to eat that? How many people really love chocolate? And do you need a reason to eat chocolate? One of our friends loved condensed milks, um, sweetened condensed milk, and she had a secret stash in her basement. (laughs) And she she would go down into the basement with a sense of shame and open up her condensed milk and eat the whole can Yeah, that's what you said. That's not what she said. For each bite, she was going, ah, mmm, this is delicious. I couldn't really relate to it. If it had been chocolate down there, I could. Because we, tell the truth, chocolate lovers, how many have a stash? <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> but she would eat this and it would make her feel better. And then she would eat so much, because it is sweet, that after, and not long after, she would have a bellyache. So the feeling good was accompanied by a bellyache, and the whole thing was wrapped in shame, that's why she hid it down. (laughs) But it was like her attempt to deal with her stresses and so forth. And I think everyone can relate to that. But you don't need stress to eat your favorite dessert. You don't need a good reason. You don't need a birthday. You don't need a celebration. You just have to have an opportunity. Am I right? (laughs) Some things are like that. You don't have to think them through. You just wanna do it, and when you do it. But sometimes those things get out of control. And there's nothing morally wrong with eating chocolate. (laughs) There's not. In fact, some cardiologists recommend dark chocolate in moderation as one of the things that you should include along with other yeah, some a little red wine, some other antioxidants. Yeah. There are times when when we do things without thinking. But there are other times when Having done those things, we have regrets. And the regrets are born of something. We realize that it wasn't joy. It was just a very low-level animalistic happiness that was satisfied. It wasn't joy that we had. So we have to learn how to recognize joy and how how to develop joy and a sense of joy. Some religious people are against joy. I remember meeting some folks in, uh, in Moldova who thought it was against their religious tenets to smile. Yeah, they, they had serious looks all the time. And we used to joke it looked like they had been baptized in, in lemon juice. And I remember asking the question somewhat naively, like, where, does, where is your joy? And they said, oh, it's in here very deep. <laughs> but actually, the joy of the Lord will become strength to you. The joy of the Lord, which is connected to moral goodness and gladness. The joy of the Lord will empower you. The joy of the Lord will make you strong. The joy of the Lord is associated with God's victory in your life, and it's without any regret whatsoever. During Sukkot, when we're, when we're in the season of joy, we should cultivate this joy. Let me read to you from Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse... Thirty-nine, and Rabbi Uri brought forth this theme of the joy of God in connection with having a good relationship with God and getting closer and closer to Yeshua. Uh, He brought that forth last night, a very good message. On exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, when you've gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day you shall take hold of the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. So you take hold of them, and that is the basis of the lulav and the etrog together, that we're commanded to take hold of these branches. And it's part of um, a physical and kinetic way of being spiritual. Some people think that spiritual is always inside it's not always it's reflected as well in our behavior and there are many things we can do that are that have a physical aspect to it they're action oriented and yet they are truly spiritual this is one of them So you take hold of these and then you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for 7 days you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Can you say that with me? You shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. It's an interesting idea, isn't it? That, that God would command people to rejoice. Especially for religious people who like to be serious. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in Sukkot, or booths or shacks, or huts for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in Sukkot. So this first identifies one group of people, those who are born in the land of Israel, those who are sabras, according to modern terminology, shall do this so that your, your generations, your family, your descendants will know that I the Lord had the children of Israel live in Sukkot when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. So here's here's some rationale. Why do this? It's so that you know God was the one who had the children of Israel live in Sukkot when they came out of Egypt in those um, 40 years on the way to the promised land. So that they may know that I am the Lord your God. This is what Moses declared to the sons of Israel, the children of Israel, when he described the appointed times of the Lord. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says, you shall celebrate the Feast of Booths, or Chag Sukkot. Let's say that together, Chag Sukkot, seven days after you've gathered in from your threshing floor in your wine vat. And, this is verse 14, you shall rejoice in your feast. You shall rejoice. Let's say that again. You shall (laughs) rejoice. You and your son and your daughter, your male and female servants, the Levite, and the stranger and the orphan and the widow, Who are in your towns. I think this is interesting because it's inclusive. Though it's specifically given to those who are Sabras, who are native born in the land of Israel, it's enlarged to be inclusive. And it says, as well, your servants, wherever they came from, should um, celebrate with you. So it's regardless of one's ethnicity or even their citizenship, because it says the stranger which would be the um, immigrant who doesn't have citizenship. That's the way to understand it. And it's also for the orphan and the widow. So regardless of social standing or financial status, the the orphan and widow, among other things, represent those who have no protection. They have no source of steady income. They are people who are living uh, in a great state of vulnerability. All these together are called to celebrate. In verse 15, seven days you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands. That's interesting. And in all the work of your hands. How many of you like to work with your hands? Some of you. How many have jobs that are like cerebral? They're, they're, you could do it without hands Maybe the work of your hands. It's it's interesting to think about this. The promised land is a land that God described as flowing with milk and honey. Honey, of course, is produced by bees, and milk is produced by a number of grazing animals. But milk requires hard work. Are you aware of that? Anybody come from a dairy farmer background? Anybody ever milk a cow or a goat or... A camel, Mm. (laughs) I don't think we have any camel milkers here. But it's hard work, isn't it? And those that have to do that work have to get up when they have to get up. You don't necessarily get to sleep in if you're a dairy farmer. Because when the udder is full, the sleep is over for you. You've got to be there. And you may have to milk several times a day. There's a lot of work involved. So it's helpful to understand this. This is a reference to the life that God calls us to. It's a life that includes a lot of work, a lot of effort. And we're not going back to Eden in this sense. We're not going to go walk around in a garden just picking fruit that has no effort associated with it. We will work. So you might smile to the person next to you and just tell them, you're in for it. There's work ahead. There's work. It's work. Your future involves work. So the Lord will bless you in your work. That's good to know. And then this last phrase, so that your joy will be complete. This is really important. Your joy will be complete. What is the ultimate outcome? Complete joy. Complete joy is associated not just with a fleeting emotion of gladness, because you could have chocolate for that. (laughs) But complete joy is associated with a life that is well-ordered and with a true sense of well-being, with emotional gladness, with hope, but also with a sense of shamelessness, because true joy is accompanied by righteousness and shalom and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not just born of indulgences, but rather it's connected to doing what is good that makes you feel good as well. (coughs) So the commands that are associated with Sukkot, are designed to encourage real, excuse me, it's not Yom Kippur. (laughs) We have our trusty water bottles here. Sukkot is designed to stir up joy in us and to encourage us. And when we look at the sukkah and we see it's kind of shabby, isn't that true? Every sukkah is. Uh, It helps us understand that you can have a joyful life even if your conditions are shabby. And there's another thing. God can be with you even if what you've got isn't all that much. It's not according to your material wealth that you have true wealth. It's according to spiritual wealth and moral wealth with God that you have true wealth. And so Sukkot is a wonderful time to think about what God has done and what he is doing, and then to find meaning and value in the celebration as well. I encourage you to do this because we serve a God who calls us to love him with all of our hearts, our soul, and our strength, and all of our minds. And to use our minds well to think about the things of God, to understand what God would have us value so that we can truly enter into joy. One last scripture, and then we'll turn to the lulav and the etrog. Let me see if I can pull this up. I have to find my glasses. I don't always know where my glasses are, but I should. This is from Zechariah chapter 14. It's very interesting. It says, all the survivors from the nations that came against Jerusalem will go up year after year. Say that with me year after year, to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate Chag Sukkot, the Feast of Sukkot. And should any of the families of the earth not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, the rain will not fall on them. And it goes on with some details. Now what's interesting about that is the original command was given to the native born in Israel and then to those who live with them, who are part of their city life and live in their towns among them. But now we see that God has a progression that's aimed to fill the whole world with some of these things. And there will be a day, there will be a time, when the Lord will expect that every nation will have to deal with their anti-Semitism and put it behind them. They'll have to deal with their anti-Messianism and put it behind them. And embrace Yeshua, embrace the God of Israel, and embrace the Jewish people, and come, at least with representatives, to Jerusalem in order to celebrate Sukkot. Every nation, like it or not. So you know what's good? If you're going to have to do it, learn to like it. Because it will be good for you. It would be good for all the nations. Now we're happy because we had a lot of rain, but we're also happy because right now, is it raining? It's not raining. So that's exciting, so here's the deal. Here's the deal, we have four sets of Lulav and Etrog. We're gonna say some blessings right here, and then everyone who wants to go with the lulav and the etrog into the sukkah will get a chance to do it. And those that want to stay, you'll probably have to go to the sukkah <laughs> and take stuff with you. We won't stay here. No. We are going there. Rabbi Yuri is giving me the high sign. Yeah. Now, remember a few things. How do you go? You go that way. And when you go into the Shalom Center, how do you enter? Lakeside. Lakeside, that's right. Why? Dirty feet and wet feet. We're trying to protect the carpet. So better to enter on the tile side. Now, the Shalom Center team is ready for us, so we're going to say these, these blessings and then our team of Lulav and Etrog coaches. Young men, would you stand up? Those of you who will be the coaches. Why don't you come and take each, each of you take your set? And you might remember the, the basics of it, it's really easy. You will point your Lulav six different times, Lulav and Etrog together, six different times in every direction. You'll Face the east towards Jerusalem, that's your first direction, and you'll shake, shake, shake your lulav in that direction. And, and then you'll go around, you know, the four corners of the earth, and then to heaven, and then to earth. So that's how, that's how you'll do it. Everyone will get a chance, and these guys are expert coaches, and they will show you how to do it right. And the, the main rules are you shake with enthusiasm, but not so hard that you destroy the lulov. The other rule is you have to keep your distance at least one lulav away from each other so that you do not poke anyone in the eye when you do this. So I wanna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna say the blessings together, then we're gonna to go to the sukkah, and those that are ready um, can get food as well and come back. You can be first in line for the, um, for the lulav and etrog or first in line for the food, your choice. Okay, the first blessing is the, the blessing for dwelling in the sukkah. I'll call it out in Hebrew, then in English, and you repeat after me. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech ha'olam. Asher kid'shanu. Bamitzvotav. Vetsivanu. Leyeshev. Leyeshev. Basukah. Basukah. Blessed, are you, Blessed are you. Lord our God. Lord our God King, of the universe, King of the universe. Who has sanctified us. Who has sanctified us with, your with your commandments. And commanded us. To dwell, in the to dwell in the Sukkah. Amen. Amen. Now, here's the second blessing is for the Lulav. Burkhatad and I. Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Asher Kid Shanu. Bamisvatav. Vetsivanu. Al Natilat. Lulav. 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 Blessed, are you. Blessed are you. O Lord our God. King of, the universe, King of the universe, who has sanctified us, who has sanctified us with your commandments, with your commandments. And, commanded us and commanded us to take hold of the lulav. To take hold of the lulav. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do now is these guys are going to lead the way. They're going to go to the sukkah. You can join them. And I want to remind you about um, Kadima 2019, mark the days November 13th through 16th, and for our podcast listeners, you want to follow up on this, it'd be a great time to come visit Beth Israel. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Chag sukkot, Sukkot Sameach.